Brands are starting to recognize that amid everything that's happening, if you're going to stand out, if you're going to make an impression, you have to be thinking about what that relationship is and understand the values that people want from the brands that they buy from. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Claudia. And our very special guest today is Michael Ruby, who is the Chief Creative Officer of Retina and a speaker at our upcoming B2BMX virtual event. Mike, so good to have you. Welcome to the pod. Thanks so much. Great to see you both. Excited to be here. Yeah, I know. Last time we saw each other, other than a few Zoom calls, was in person at our 2020 event where we first got to meet before the whole world shut down. And we'll, we'll get into our, our history in a little bit. But first, want to get into your job now. Again, Chief Creative Officer, a very official and very fancy title for a great company. Retina has been named MarTech Agency of the Year by the Drum Awards and Agency of the Year by the Association of National Advertisers. Very impressive stuff. So with that, what does a typical day in the life look like for you? Great question. A typical day in the life is typically not so typical. Things are (laughs) very different depending on the day. So Retina is, as you had mentioned, we've been recognized as a top B2B agency. We also have a number of B2C clients as well. And they cover a broad range of categories from professional services to information technology to real estate, both corporate and residential, to life sciences, to we even have an airline client. So any day of the week may be thinking about very different categories. It may be different types of projects. It could be anything from website development to content to go to market to typically, as as you mentioned, my title, (laughs) obviously very focused on on creative and content development within my group. So those things are varied. I think the, the things that are pretty consistent are we're a global agency. A great number of my teammates sit in our Glasgow and Bucharest offices. So typically, I get up in the morning and I take my meetings very early, which is late in the day for them. But it's great for our clients because we've got somebody working on their business almost around the clock. And it's good in that I can meet with them at the end of their day. We can talk about the work. I kind of take the baton from where they were with my team here in the States, and then we kind of pass it back. So it's a pretty seamless way of working, and it's a great way for us to be able to bring in great talent from from all across the globe in service of our clients. Very, very cool stuff. And obviously, you're keeping busy these days. But just like Alicia mentioned a little earlier, you spoke at our 2020 B2B Marketing Exchange back in last February before everything shut down. And it was actually also right after you left Flexport, where you were creative director there. So what was that pivot like going from in-house to agency, especially as everything went, I don't know, a crazy <laughs> or, you know, as soon as that pandemic hit? Yeah, it was it was a very interesting time to make a change. And I felt very, very fortunate to, to be able to continue working through everything that's been happening over the past year and, and particular with this group. The transition was incredibly seamless, if, if I'm honest. I had worked on the agency side of marketing at a B2B specialist agency for 15 years before Flexport. 
And I was brought into Flexport specifically for having that agency creative experience to try and bring the type of agility, the type of creative thinking, the type of structure to be able to produce content and design and creative at scale, just happened to do it inside uh, a digital freight company. So coming back to the agency world, which I had missed some of the things about agency culture as well, it was refreshing to kind of jump back into that, as well as working with people that I knew and who I was close with. So our CEO, Ted Conan, and I go back about 12, 13 years now. We had worked together at a prior agency. We had actually moved out to San Francisco at the same time to open our West Coast offices with that agency. And so he had moved to Retina two years before I did to take on the role as CEO. And when there was an opportunity for me to join him over at Retina, uh, I was eager to jump at it. Um, And we have a couple of other teammates as well that we've worked with prior. So it's been smooth and surprisingly smooth from a workflow perspective. Much of our company is decentralized. We have a number of both marketing and technology consultants that often work on site. So where a number of agencies had a bit of a stumble, we had to go to remote work. It was something that was already kind of built into our DNA. So while I would have loved to have been able to spend the last year traveling to visit my colleagues in the other offices, it's been easy enough for us to be able to operate through Teams and through our other cloud platforms that we've used to uh, to make sure that we keep things seamlessly running. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure having dispersed teams, global teams, a lot of that foundational work, I guess, is already in place. Like you've already established the processes, the workflows, you know what works, what doesn't. It's just kind of all the time rather than like a once in a while sort of thing for certain workers, which is great. And I love the backstory with your CEO, Ted, and how you guys kind of followed each other and reconnected. I feel like a lot of folks in B2B, their career paths or or any sort of pivots are largely driven by those relationships. So it's, it's great to see that kind of an action. But I do want to get into your deep agency expertise, a big part of working with an agency or for an agency successfully is being able to understand your client's concerns across those different verticals, industries, and being able to offer relevant but creative solutions. And that takes a lot of listening, a lot of understanding, and a lot of reinterpreting and creating something. So with the pandemic, I'm sure there's a lot of nuance here since you work with so many different types of companies. What kind of shifts did you see in terms of challenges, priorities? Were you seeing a lot of immediate like sharp pivots in order to adapt to like the market conditions of like everything being shut down or what were you kind of seeing in terms of like a need standpoint? Yeah, there are a couple of things that we noticed and I'll touch on them now and we're going to we're going to go into them more deeply when Ted and I speak at the, the event in a couple of weeks. One thing that we noticed immediately is a strong shift into digital. So as one of our clients likes to say, if you didn't have a digital strategy before the pandemic, you have one now. And so there was definitely a move among our clients to be able to shift budget from in-person or other types of face-to-face engagement to things that are digital. They had to rethink how they would engage people when typically they were having much more face-to-face contact. And for those who were already in digital, really doubling down on it to make sure that they were able to draw the type of engagement that they needed. And so that was from both a media perspective, as well as a content perspective, making sure that there was something there to really create a value exchange and and build relationships. Another thing that we noticed was that people very quickly pivoted messaging and positioning to fully reposition their brands amid the context of what people might be calling the new normal. So we have clients who 
weren't necessarily technically built to solve COVID problems, but the nature of their business model actually solved COVID problems. And so they changed their focus to be able to, as it's been famously said, not waste a good crisis. So there was an opportunity here to think about, all right, we can actually take advantage of the opportunities that are here to be able to keep our business strong through the pandemic and at the same time, and even more importantly, do a lot of good in the process. That's been one thing, another thing that we've seen. And similarly, I think there's been a refocus on brand and brand experience through all of this as people have recognized that. I think it's been kind of taken for granted that Although the numbers say that people go through 70% of their sales process before they actually contact someone in sales, there hasn't been the same focus on understanding how to have a brand perspective, how to make sure that your purpose is communicated, how you're differentiating yourself, uh, because they were still kind of taking for granted that there was going to be some sort of sales contact throughout that would power things. And so now brands are starting to recognize that amid everything that's happening, if you're going to stand out, if you're going to make an impression, you have to be thinking about what that relationship is and understand the values that people want from the brands that they buy from. That's awesome. And obviously brand has, like you said, it definitely came into the spotlight during the pandemic, especially, you know, to build those relationships. But I feel like a lot of people have different interpretations of what brand actually is and what it entails. So how would you define it? And how would you define it among specific disciplines? Sure. So I think that there are some people who may think that a brand might mean that it's a look and feel or a logo, or other people might say that a a brand is the mission statement that you hang on the wall. I tend to think of and define brand as the entirety of an experience that someone has with a company. So the brand is comprised of what you hear, what you see, what you feel as a result of interacting with the brand, and importantly, what you can do with the brand. So what is the customer experience from their product or service? And what is the content experience or customer experience that comes from interacting with the materials that they make available, whether it's the thought leadership, whether it is the sales tools, whether it is education that they make available, All of that comes together to create a full experience for someone. And that's that's the brand. And the reason that those brands exist is to help buyers, whether it's buying a pack of chewing gum or in our instance in B2B, if you're looking at a a considered purchase, that brand is there to help us make choices. It's to help us differentiate one thing from another. And I think that it's even more important now with brands to be thinking about what that brand experience is because the factors that make B2B special have only been more pronounced by us all being disconnected. So there are big competitive commoditized markets without having that face-to-face interaction. There has to be a way to be able to differentiate yourself. The buyer journeys are long and they're again made complex by us not being able to physically be together. And brands are proven to have an impact on business performance. There's the studies every year that come out from Interbrand and from from HBR about the impact of brand on public company performance. And it's statistically shown that brands that carry value carry through to brands that have greater business value. So in thinking about the trust that's engendered and thinking about the loyalty that's engendered through brand, you know, I think it's important to think about, again, the brand is the totality of the experience. And that experience is ultimately then what powers the relationships that drive a business forward. I love that. And how do you 
think this emphasis on brand will either change or reaffirm B2B organizations' marketing priorities for this year and beyond that. So it's interesting. I think that people are starting to recognize that there has to be a renewed focus or a reinvigorated focus on brand for a number of the reasons that we've already talked about. But I think they're also finding that while we have invested so heavily in marketing technologies and the Gartner CMO studies and the other research that's out there all show that there's heavy investment in MarTech, but they're not necessarily seeing greater results that come out of it or worse that half the MarTech they buy, the functionality doesn't even get used. And so as everybody starts having the same tools and not everyone is maximizing those tools, it's still a matter of what do you put into them that actually makes it work? Right. We can measure everything within an inch of its life. But if we don't actually fundamentally have good materials going into it, if we don't have the right ingredients, we can measure how big the cake was and how many people we served it to. But we can't measure how delicious it was and what the impact was to get people to come back and buy more cake. I like my food analogies. Yeah. Right? My team picks <laughs> on hungry. me all the time. So. I love them. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If, 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 if cake doesn't come up at least once a creative meeting, I've somehow fallen down on the job. <laughs> that's, part, I love that. that's part of your job. Food references. <laughs> yeah. To dig a little bit deeper into that point then, I do want to ask you about priorities, budgeting, time, bandwidth. The fun stuff. Yeah. Well, because it's everything. It, I feel like no matter how big a company is, those are still the talking points, right? Like how do we ba- oh, yeah. balance reaching those goals, either the same or more aggressive goal as a result of everything going on and still getting to this foundational work that is very important, but I can say this as a content and a creative person, it also takes a lot of time. (laughs) So, I mean, how do you balance for the folks that may be dealing with tighter budgets, smaller teams now? I mean, how can they give the fundamentals of brand, you know, everything that goes into that experience, which I love how you define that. How can they do that in a way that aligns with the day-to-day requirements that they have to juggle? Well, I think that, that unfortunately there is still a fundamental disconnect that a number of organizations have where they somehow divorce the ideas of demand and brand. That somehow with salespeople and even C-suite executives, that somehow they see brand as a dirty word. And it's like, oh, well, we can't spend time on brand and we can't spend money on brand. That's not going to do anything. But again, if you think about the brand as an experience and not just about a shiny message or, or a pretty picture... Everything that you do on a fundamental level that drives the business can be related to the brand. And so as we think about how you can make sure that those things remain priorities, it's a matter of marrying the experience that you create with the numbers that you need to generate. So specifically, you mentioned content. I think in many ways, content is a more powerful engine for building brand than traditional advertising. It's a way for people to be able to to not only hear from you, but feel from you what it is that you're delivering and show that there's an actual, there's actual care there. It's not the typical ad that jumps up and says, we care about our customers. Well, no, if you're giving me something that is making me better at my job, that's going to improve my team's performance, that's going to make my boss look even smarter to my boss's boss, that's all meaningful. And so that type of content and the digital experiences that you can create That will help build brand. And fundamentally, if you do it the right way and plug it into your marketing automation systems, plug it into your CRMs, determine what your pipeline numbers need to be, you can drive that demand using that content. 
it all becomes one and the same. I mean, prioritization is always going to be a challenge for anybody in business, but I think you can marry those priorities together artfully and make sure that you're, I'm going to go back to my cake. You can have the cake and eat it too. Yep. No, I love that. And totally spot on, I feel like, just based on the work that we've been doing as a team and that I do personally day to day. So with that, I love a good personal development question. I feel like a lot of folks are are really zeroing in on what skills can I add to my roster? You know, what education can I get? How can I do better and be better at my job? Since brand, it touches everything, right? It impacts what you do, what you put out into the world. Do you have any thoughts as far as what skills folks may need, what knowledge base they may need in order to effectively marry their particular discipline, whether it be like design or content with the essence of brand? Like, is there an art to this? Are there skills that are required here? And you may say, no, Uh that's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. I I think that's a great question. I think there are a couple of things. I think one, I hope there's a return to some of the fundamentals. So I think in how all this gets to put together and the way that marketing programs have been developed in the educational system, it's become so much about so much become about the tools and the numbers, which again are critically important. We believe in them wholeheartedly, but there's a bit of a lost art in terms of the fundamentals of persuasion and storytelling and communicating value and empathy, truly understanding. I think designers and, and user experience agencies and user experience teams or product teams do very well with this. And you hear them talk a lot about empathy because they're thinking about the user. And I think that if we start thinking about our customers in a similar way, and understanding that it's not just the digital site that they're on where you need to think about the user experience, but think about design thinking holistically, there's a major impact. And the other thing that I hope that that people can get back to in a way and where I think folks need some skill is just really breeding their imagination. David Ogilvie said, you never bored anyone into buying anything. And I think that's absolutely true. So I, some of my favorite clients in the world that I've ever worked with have products that you don't normally hear about every single day and that ordinarily you might think are not particularly as exciting as if you're selling a sports car. And I think they're even more exciting. I love the fact that I've worked in in food processing technology and I know that when I take my kids to a fast food restaurant, I know exactly where that French fry's been. I know exactly the sorter that's been over. I know exactly how the technology works. That's really exciting. And I think that if, if everyone can figure out a way to get excited about their food technology, their SaaS solution, their professional service, whatever it is, there's so much potential in B2B to be able to make sure that we're selling and we're selling well by engaging people through what hopefully made us all get into marketing and advertising to begin with. Yeah, I love that. I think really refreshing your perspective on the work that you're doing, the industry that you're in, because I know myself personally, when I'm so in the creating mode, sometimes I get like on the treadmill, so to speak, and I just keep running. I don't take the time to think about what's a new way we can think about this. What is our audience thinking about? Are we overlooking something or what's a new way to to talk through something? You just kind of get in the mode of like, let's just create the thing, get it out and see what happens because the calendar says so. So I, I do think it's really important for us to kind of take a step back or go to something else and come back again to kind of get that new, fresh perspective. No, this has been really, really great, Mike. And I think it gives us just enough of a teaser around what you and your CEO, uh, Ted Conan, are going to be speaking about during B2BMX. But is there anything else that you want to dig into a bit of an elevator pitch, I guess you could say, around the key deliverables or what attendees are going to be getting out of the presentation? Sure, I'd be happy to share a little bit. So I, I think we'll spend a bit of time touching on some of the things that we've talked on here. But 
really digging into each of those areas more discreetly. So thinking about the levels of agility that have been required during the pandemic and the levels of agility that are going to be required after the pandemic from a brand and demand perspective, how you can actually take brand purpose and activate it so that, again, it's not just a poster that hangs on the walls, but it's something that actually lives and breathes in the work that you're doing every day and what your customers experience and talking about how to really focus digital in a way that that has tremendous impact and not just talking about these in the abstract. Ted and I are also going to share a case study in each of these areas from brands that are doing this and brands at different sizes, different life stages, different budgets. So one is a company called CloudSpot. They are in the location analytics space. So they're able to tell you where someone or something is at all times and what's happening with it. And that was there. We'll be able to talk about brand purpose, about how content and sales enablement have come together to power them. On the flip side, we'll talk a bit about some work we've done with Thermo Fisher Scientific. So one of the world's largest and leading life sciences brands and helping them to overcome serious commoditization in the life sciences space and using brand as a real competitive advantage to be able to drive engagement. And then lastly, uh, looking at a, a really breakout AI company called Jumio that doubled down on digital in the last year and did it not only to drive demand, but to drive an exponential growth in brand and, and actual measured metrics against brand health through the work that we did through a, an almost 100% digital campaign. So hopefully there should be a lot of actionable lessons that people can take from this. We'll have a bit of fun as well. I think that folks will get something out of it that'll hopefully be both useful for them as, as well as hopefully a bit of fun. Love it. Yeah. I mean, examples are fantastic, but also actionable advice on how to apply some of what works in, in those examples. That's always our goal. So Mike, again, really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us today to talk brands, content, what's really going into the creative process today and, and will be in the future. And again, really thrilled to have you on board for B2BMX this year. Thank you again so much. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. And of course, to all of you out there watching, listening, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join this conversation. If you have any questions for Mike or for us, I don't know, you may, drop us a line on Twitter at BWMX or on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you and of course, facilitate those follow-up conversations. And shameless plug, registration is still open for BWMX, our online experience. Check out the agenda, see more of our great speakers we have lined up and save yourself a seat. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.